0: sb nation and underdog dynasty present the underdog podcast and welcome back to another edition of the underdog dynasty podcast aac edition my name is dan morrison that's emily van buskirk how are you doing i'm good how are you I'm doing well. Are you trying to like hear my dog in the background as he's
1: no, I, I, sometimes you say, how are you doing today? How are you? There's like another word. So when you stopped at, how are you doing? I wasn't ready. And so I just, <laughs> I just failed.
0: I failed. I'm not trying to it's change fine. it up that much. I'm my biggest oh. focus every single week or is, twice a week is yeah. sure so I don't reverse AAC and underdog. Right. Yeah.
1: So I don't think you, you did good. You nailed it.
0: Yeah. You, you did good. Yeah, so it happens every now and again where we have to <laughs> cut out and start over. Uh, you no. Know, yeah. It, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing a lot better than Dan Molinus of Florida because he's all antsy. He's antsy. That's what he is. I don't.
1: I don't think that it's possible that they don't recruit at all.
0: Yeah. They're so, Florida. Oh, so the like the way he said it. I think he was just referring to he doesn't want to talk about recruiting. Right. So like. The way like Kirby Smart talked after the, uh, after the cocktail party game, it, he was just mm-hmm. very clearly like, yeah, Dan Mullen does not recruit nearly enough. Like it, it was one of those like subtle, like subtle. Kirby not Smart so subtle. likes to run
1: his mouth a lot. And I would love to see him say some of these things to people in person because he strikes me a little bit as a shit starter, like a little guy that runs around and he's little, he's not big. And I would love to see him say these things to people's faces. That's what I would like. Not a huge Kirby Smart fan, so.
0: No, I, i say I've got no opinion on Kirby Smart.
1: <laughs> just, Having met him and talked to him in person, like not ultimately my favorite you
0: know, coach. No, hey, we're, I don't doubt it. He seems like he could be very full of himself, but yeah. you know. Uh, I just That's like to here nor
1: there, no,
0: it's not. I just like to look at the Florida Gators for when, especially UCF fans feel, oh, oh our season's going so poorly. Our quarterbacks hurt. Our, <laughs> you know, we lost the game to Louisville that we shouldn't. We lost the game to Navy that we shouldn't. You know, blah blah blah. We wish we were closer to where, like say, uh, SMU is this year than where we are. Mm-hmm. Not the Gators. They're five hundred and you know are kind of a laughing stock right now. Dan Mullen oh. just canceled all media availability for like the week because he's like tired of answering questions about how bad they are That's i feel terrible
1: for my buddy uh, longtime friend skip powers he and i went to college together we've known each other like 18 years he's the sid there and i oh. he cannot yeah i feel bad for him because he That's went from alabama year. he went to alabama and then he went to ucla which he had to deal with jim mora i love jim mora but he can be the best at avoiding the, media like
0: the gym, end it. of the jim mora era wasn't super clean either yeah. yeah,
1: it was rough, and so I felt bad from there. So then he left UCLA to go to the Chargers, which that's wasn't a completely he,
0: different thing, isn't it? Though I mean, right, and he wasn't a huge different.
1: he wasn't a huge fan of it. And then now he's at Florida, and he loves Florida. But I, I think I just feel bad for us. Florida's SIDs a that really good SID
0: job, but yeah, when your coach decides, yeah. like, I don't want to deal with it, that's because then life.
1: you just got to be like, sorry, media.
0: <laughs> Sucks, oh, like well. suck. We're canceling everything. <laughs> No, it doesn't. Yeah,
1: speaking of Florida
0: schools, ooh, ooh that's a transition. <laughs> USF fourteen, ECU twenty nine. I tried it. I, I tried it. I think it worked. I think it was we know- right. it was we right. acknowledged the transition and moved into <laughs> USF fourteen, ECU twenty nine on a Thursday night and a pouring, rainy, sloppy, yeah. nasty game. Ew. So it was a turnover city. ECU had three first half fumbles that they lost. Uh, you know that gave. Did you see the sequence at the end of the first half for ECU where they ended up not scoring any points? They fumbled a snap (laughs) on the goal line going in. It was just... It was rough. It was terrible. And
1: you have to know that, like you're preparing for that. Both teams have played in weather. So it's not like, oh my God, we don't know what this is. Like, mm-hmm. and I understand like there's some things you can't control. Okay. But there has to be, at, at one point I saw players coming out. They were coming back out without gloves on. Did you see that? They made like a big note Sometimes,
0: of it. Sometimes uh, gloves, like the receiver gloves, like in yeah. leather. I don't know what they're made it make it because worse. I've never played. Why? Just, yeah. Like make, it makes the gloves slick. Like you need some sort of. That's so interesting to me. But
1: that, it was Uh, so, it was like they came back out without those. So there's an adjustment, but it didn't seem like they were trying to avoid this weather. They were just doing the same things and then dropping the ball.
0: Yeah. ECU, I know that, you know, USF had four turnovers, TCU's three, but the past couple of weeks has been just terrible how many turnovers the pirates have had that's a major yeah. issue it's the complaint i've had about them all year long though is that they don't play 60 minutes in a game if they played a consistent game just once they'd be a world heater. but they can't they're just not putting it together that long because like this is a usf team that is essentially played its third string quarterback because uh, mclean from my mm-hmm. understanding had an ankle thing that kept him out yeah. of this game on a short week uh they didn't go with uh no, i can't even remember his name the uh Guy that they started with Marsh. Week.
1: Oh now, no, Marsh is who other, played. Guy. Yeah,
0: um, the right. North Carolina transfer. Uh, that's mm-hmm. gonna kill me. Everyone knows who I'm talking about though. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, it. I'm just gonna let it go. Oh, Cade Forden. Cade Forden. Cade that's Forden.
1: That's right, because you were like, I, cater to me, cater to me. Oh,
0: that's what I was saying. Is they needed to choose the guy and just like let mm-hmm. them learn, like grow into the offense because, yeah, you know, which they weren't doing, but until they yeah. did, but and Marsh was fine in the first half. He ended up throwing three interceptions at a good ECU secondary, which, you know, probably your death Mm -hmm. nail for USF, but, you know, I don't know.
1: Do do you chalk this game up? Like, do you chalk it up to, there wasn't a lot to learn because of the environmental factors, because of how innately sloppy it was. Do you, you don't, I feel like you don't penalize USF for that. They didn't have their starting quarterback. Uh,
0: No, I'm not like, I think that i thought EC was going to win this game anyway right. i think by two scores on a short week at home makes sense with who they both are the other thing with usF is i do think that there's a lot to build on in their running game going forward i think the past couple weeks you've started to see it's really coming along where they've got a few good running backs who they can rely on to get you know 60 to 100 yards ish a game you've got Mangum, you've got joiner you know what i mean like it's a you know baddie. he's obviously more of a special teams guy but he's also good in the running game he wasn't Really, there to uh against ECU, but he still exists in that offense. <laughs> he exists. <laughs> well, you, you know what I mean when I say yeah, that, yeah. Like, yeah. he's around. Yeah. Like you, he's they there. Have him <laughs> if they need him. You know what I mean. And I think that's something that's really good for them to rely on. And he actually, you can reverse that and say the same thing where ECU's got a couple of really good running backs <laughs> too. You know, and Mitchell mm-hmm. and Harris that are guys who they didn't have in the past, and this is you know one of those ways that they build up beyond where they've been in the past you know, which is for both of them towards the bottom of the conference in recent years, you know, because you have some yards you can rely on that you didn't have before. You know, you think about all the really good teams that have come through this conference, you know, whether it was UCF from like 2017 to like 19-ish, whether it's the current Cincinnati, whether it's SMU or Memphis, they always have a good running game. Even if it's a pass-first team, it's always a good running game. So I think that's important for both of them to at least have that option available. You know, USF didn't convert a single third down all night. They only had seven of them to begin with, but that's really, you need to be better than that. You need to find a way to make those manageable for you. They did go two for four on fourth down, which is something that you like to see at this point in the season. You know, USF is not going to make a bowl. Well, they still have, they could make a bowl game, technically. I'm not going to sell them short that quick. They're two and six. They could type okay. it out. They won't. That's better. Yeah, I was just... It just started raining
1: like crazy hard, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was just vamping a little bit about how USF didn't convert a single third down in this game mm. also. They went for it on fourth a bunch and were decently, like 50% successful at it. And actually, ECU went was five for six on fourth down too. So this was a good game for the go for it and don't punt the ball uh, mindset, which I'm always a fan of. I don't yeah. know about you though.
1: Uh, yeah, like, I like it when they go for it. I think – you, I think you have to adjust accordingly if you're going mm-hmm. for it and not getting it too many times, then what are you doing? But I am mostly a fan of going for it.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you need to be like aware of the situation that you're in. You can't just, you know I mean? You can't just stare at it and be like, well, we said we're going to go for it more. I know we're <laughs> up by 10 late in the fourth quarter it's our side of the field, but we said we'd go for it more. You know what I mean? But if you're, in a close game and you're looking at like fourth and two, say it's 14 to 10 mm-hmm. and fourth, you know, fourth and two where you could yeah. probably kick a field goal. Why wouldn't you go for it there? And you know, I know conventional wisdom is almost always kicking the ball. And, you know, a lot of old school coaches do that to a fault in my opinion. So I like seeing a game like this where teams say, you know, what? who cares? Let's just go for it. Who cares? Uh Let it ride. Let it ride. Why don't we move on now to that Friday game, Navy 20, Tulsa 17. And what's very important to me about this Navy Tulsa game is that Navy won this game with 302 yards rushing and zero yards passing. Yeah. And it was, I showed that
1: sat line to my uncle and I was like, this is crazy. It was beautiful. but I just think it's important that everybody knows that Navy is back. According to, I think so.
0: I mean, why not? I mean, they're not going to win next week, but it's fine
1: yeah you it's know, fine notre dame week for Navy, fine. but
0: it's fine no this is exactly what Navy wants to be though they want to be a clock con- you know clock killing team that yeah methodically moves it downfield if they never have to throw it they don't want to throw it you know what i mean they did right. they I tried three the times but they didn't complete any of them you know what i mean right. but didn't have to beat them anyways uh, mm-hmm. It was wild. It is. It was wild. I mean, I,
1: I've never seen anything like that. And I think if you're Tulsa at this point,
0: I think this well, is a like, little bit of a gut check. You just yeah. occupy a team that didn't complete a pass. <laughs> same, I know that like in on one hand, oh, that's awesome. That's how Navy's supposed to play. It was it's super fun to watch Navy when they roll like that. Yeah. On the other hand, Tulsa, what you doing? What are you doing it's like it's like
1: really fun to talk about, but the reality for Tulsa is like very sad. I think you know, so. yeah, you
0: know, the reality is that it's also steep <sighs> and simply terrible. Twenty points is something you should win that game, you know, nine times
1: Right.
0: Their offense yeah. just isn't there. You know, I mean, I it's think one crazy. of their touchdowns came off a kick return, if I'm not mistaken, too. So, like this was really like a 10 point performance from their offense. And I've talked about it more than a little bit on this show, but like Navy does not recruit the same athletes that you do at any other FBS institution, say for army and air force. They just can't it's the expectations of the student body at the Naval Academy and the realities of getting into it are so far beyond what most people, let alone what most athletes can do, what most people can get through. Mm -hmm. And then when you add being a good enough FBS athlete to play there, it's just such a limited pool. And it Tulsa, is. I know, is not an easy place to recruit to. I know it's a small school, which-
1: Very small. Smallest in- Makes it harder to FBS, have a good football right? yeah. team. Yeah.
0: It does. And it yeah. should be pointed out, that makes it harder to have a good football team. It yes. does. It does. There's no excuse to only put up 10 offensive points on Navy's defense, though, even if they had the ball for 15 minutes, yeah. You know what I mean? You just can't. Yeah. You can't stall out yeah. the defense that you're more athletic than. You know, and I just sure. I don't know how I don't think I like Davis Sprint at quarterback. I don't think they've got a better I, option I, because mm-hmm. Seth Boomer was the guy he fought for the job in camp with. And then we saw Seth Boomer a couple of years ago and he was not good. You know, mm-hmm. I mean time, he's got time to grow and all that, but he has not been good throughout his entire career and he lost the job to Davis Sprint. So I can't imagine it would be better in that case. I just I don't know. I'm done trying to figure Tulsa out as a team. Yeah. I just I think they're bad. And there's just they might get to a bowl game this year, but I don't think that they'll necessarily have deserved it. I think it's they're a weird weird team that's got some nice things that they do from time to time, but more often than not they're just going to disappoint you.
1: Speaking of Navy's defense, shout out John Marshall, junior linebacker had 9 tackles, a tackle for a loss and a fumble recovery. In the game, helping limit the Golden Herd came to 294 yards of offense. Mm So speaking of on that Navy defense, Mm -hmm. he was a big part of it. And then my favorite stat from the game per the uh, Navy athletic department, who is phenomenal when it comes to stuff like this, after starting the season one for five in the red zone against Marshall. Uh, Most of us remember that game. Yes. Uh, Navy has since gone 18 for 19 in the red zone, including three for three against Tulsa. So yep. if that's not improvement, I don't know what it is. Ab-
0: it absolutely is. And it's when that triple option is working properly in short yardage, you cannot stop them. You just mm-hmm. can't, you know what I mean? Because the, it's an offense that's designed so well to get four yard supply. It's not trying to get right. more than that. It's not as long as it gets those four yards or so you'll never get them off the field. You need to create a little bit of chaos and that you need to, you know, stuff the fullback right at the line of scrimmage, which is incredibly hard to do. You need to go out there and blow up the quarterback before they have a chance to make their read. You know, it's not, Mm -hmm. and when you're getting cut down at the defensive line, it's really hard to do that. So it's just when they're running, when they've got a quarterback, which it looks like Lavate knows the offense well, which, you know, Xavier Arline is a great athlete, but it was just clear. He wasn't quite grasping the offense itself and how to, he couldn't get to that pitch, man. He couldn't, he couldn't make it a triple option. He can make it like a two option offense, but it needs that third step. Lavate can do that. And that's really yeah. what we're seeing. It's not going to win every game for you at Navy. You're still going to lose to a team like Cincinnati. You're still going to lose to SMU, obviously. Like these are, you know, you probably should have lost to a UCF, but it's going to win a lot of games for you that either you shouldn't win or, mm-hmm. you know, you're about equal to the other team and then, you know, It's rolling really well. Tulsa also turned the ball over twice. Can't be doing that when Navy's not getting, you know, cough up the ball. It's short fields for that offense again. Yeah. You know, I don't know what to say other than I'm kind of sick of trying to figure out Tulsa.
1: Yeah, we're over it with Tulsa. Good luck for the rest of the season. Navy, love that they're back next, like you said, this week is going to be tough. So it's a little bit of a short-lived victory, I think, but we'll
0: see. Uh, you know, the thing with the Notre Dame game, and we can probably talk about more in the actual preview episode for the mm-hmm. week. It's like, it's a rivalry, but it's also like this really like exciting, huge game for both teams. It's at Notre Dame this year, which yeah. I think Navy likes better when it's at Notre Dame because – they never play at Navy. They've always played Notre Dame neutral site back and forth like that. Just oh, the...
1: really? I didn't know that. Didn't...
0: Yeah. There's a couple of reasons for it. Partially the size of Navy Marine Corps stadiums too small for Notre Dame, which you can talk about big timing a school or whatnot. <laughs> the other part is like, they both need to recruit nationally. So they like to use this as a chance to play a neutral site game where they can kind of go to Florida or Texas or somewhere like that to recruit. Um, yeah. You know, they were going to play in Ireland last year, but that got canceled. Because uh, of uh,
1: yeah. that, I was so excited for her.
0: I was too. I was going
1: to go to that. Uh,
0: I'm so mad no, about that. But Anyways, well, my, my point with that little tangent though, is that they have a ton of respect for each other. It's not like a super evil rivalry and just the, Given the history of it, Navy never feels bad about losing that game. I don't think. Right. Like they obviously feel bad because they want to win every game and there's competitiveness, but they never yeah. go in there and just like, oh, drat, that top ten Notre Dame team didn't let us go into South Bend. Right. I mean, like the reality is the reality. There was a stretch there for like forty something years where they didn't beat Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. The reality is the. Reality well, I think it's going to be.
1: It'll be a fun game this week, so we'll love, uh, we'll definitely get that to that in the. Yeah, Yeah, we'll get to it in the preview podcast. So let's keep rolling with these Saturday games. I don't even want to talk about this next one, but I know we have to talk about it. So
0: Cincinnati 31 (laughs) 12. Is that the one you don't want to talk about?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm upset. I'm upset. Okay. Like good job Cincinnati here. Here's your props for the podcast week. So we don't get yelled at. Congratulations.
0: Whom amongst us hasn't gone to new Orleans for the weekend and gotten distracted and just come out a little bit slow in the morning especially Halloween weekend oh yeah whom amongst us isn't quite right at 11 a.m you know central time on Halloween weekend in New Orleans
1: I just got to tell you though that I this broke my heart more than usual because the two lanes defense came out looking like half, the Oklahoma defense yeah, they were, really defense. They they were, were really like okay Yes, this is the defense that we saw in the beginning of the year. This is what they're capable of, causing chaos, like creating all these opportunities for the offense mm-hmm. to be on the field. Obviously, I was excited mm-hmm. that we were gonna have a quarterback in the game that wasn't named Michael Pratt, which I know sounds really <laughs> mean. Okay, I think, but no,
0: Michael Pratt's the guy there. Come on.
1: I but this let me tell you this after talking to people that I know around the program and watching interactions like this is what i've been doing i i given up on like as a player i know he's good i know that he has good uh qualities he's a good player like he has good vision he can make plays my issue with him is that his play sometimes borderlands on selfish okay he's trying to do too many things and it's creating problems in the offense because the, he's he's having all these fumbles these interceptions and that is bringing down the other guys on the team. If you see him interact with players on the sideline or on the field, they're not having it anymore. They're, they're, they're upset. They're not having it. So I think it's a locker room issue with him and his personality and what he's trying to do. And when you saw the, um, freshman quarterback come out in this game and play Kai Horton, as I didn't meant to say his name, um, you saw a different vibe like yes he's obviously not more talented I'm going to concede that point he's young but what he didn't do was try and force things like Pratt does he followed the play he did what he was supposed to do and yes of course he threw interceptions because he's not game ready yet but what you saw was a more invigorated offense based on the fact that he carried out the game plan and didn't try and do anything to be the hero do you know what I mean
0: I know what you mean. I do agree that Pratt does try to do too much at times, which leads to so some much. of his turnover issues. Uh, I, I know what you're talking about with like a locker room issue where that is an issue. I mean, is that the question going forward? If they're winning a couple more of these games, say like they've got three wins on the instead of just the one, you know, say they came up with a couple you of-
1: know, where they're going to get those wins. What?
0: <laughs> well, okay. So like, I'm just like, go like My going problem. back. Going back in history, like let's say that they had beat mm-hmm. in UAB, for instance. Let's say they had beat in, not oh God, I don't know, ECU, you know, like that, yeah, they weren't close okay. to ECU, mind you, but like, right. say they won a couple of those games. It's been mm-hmm. a really tough stretch where they just played it Houston, has. SMU, Cincinnati, interrupt. Mm-hmm. That's not.
1: And now they got to go to UCF, which is not easy to play in the bounce house. Homecoming, so they get maybe. Tulsa, Tulsa, UCF at home, USF at home. Okay. Maybe they get oh, one those, out of yeah. those. I think so. I don't think they win both no shot, not the way they're playing. And then they I mean, got to go to Memphis, which who knows? Well, like, I, honestly, that's like see,
0: twilight know, zone type game. I will say this. I know you've been very focused this season on Pratt and his shortcomings, which I it, think a lot of them are youth related. You know what I mean? Is he's still, a gotta remember a true sophomore. He's not.
1: He he's made more. less mistakes last year than he made this year.
0: As a true he made freshman. a few huge ones last year. I he think. did,
1: but less than he's made this year. Go look
0: at the side. I, I've not, looked, I'm not to with you on that. I'm, I'm just upset. Like, I think, I think the whole team's taking a step back, though. And I think the bigger yes. issue is their defense is one of the worst in the country,
1: <laughs> except when they play first half against Cincinnati.
0: Well, I, I will <laughs> the number ups, two team in the part, nation. <laughs> part of why the first half score was so close was that Cincinnati's first drive took like a decade to get through it was like the whole first quarter was the first two drives but is that
1: because they're struggling or because the defense is making it hard it's chicken or the egg it's both
0: well yeah it's a little column, a a little comfy it's a little navy keeps you know taking its time getting each play in and you know trying to do the perfect thing and yeah it's taking them probably instead of just going one chunk play one chunk play it's Mm -hmm. we're gonna take the underneath thing on the underneath thing you know whatever
1: Whatever, Desmond Ritter, honor roll honors, seventeen of twenty seven, two seventy seven yards, three touchdowns and interception. He also had forty seven rushing yards. Um, so, congratulations, Desmond Ritter. I don't know that this win, coupled with the last win, is enough to get them in. Actually, I do know it's not enough to get them in the college football playoff.
0: But uh, we'll, we'll we'll see when the. Uh when the standings come out where they'll be but I I doubt they're in the top four. To be honest,
1: they need to wreck teams like Tulane they should Mm -hmm. be wrecking teams like that and they're not 56 nothing yeah they want to go drop 50 on other people but they can't do it against a Tulane team that's Mm won one game against Morgan State like that that to me shows that you're not ready for the big show you're just I don't
0: think that Oklahoma should be in the top four but like you know is it the same issues that Cincinnati has had this year in terms of not always playing, basically playing to your competition at times. Yeah. That's what this is, is again, it's a noon kick. You're on the road and you're just kind of, it's a kind of a quiet environment, you know, to it, it just you know, worked. but you're
1: playing for your livelihood. Like, I don't that, want to hear it it's about like, that. Every game is and like, a... like...
0: And they walked in They were blase about it. I, yeah, that's, that's like, not...
1: I don't like I'm it. i not saying it
0: can happen. I'm just saying that is what happened. It shouldn't. And Especially if
1: you're literally playing for your future every single game. Yes, it's, you're eight, no, but it's not It's not enough impressive. That's the
0: thing is it gives the committee an excuse. Yeah, and that's all they're does. looking for is an excuse. I mean, I went back and looked at it for an article I wrote today, but basically every single... Uh, with the exception of last year's Cincinnati team, every single time that the uh, AP poll has ranked the team that went to the New Year's Six from the group of five, the uh, College Football Playoff Committee that same week has had them about three to five spots lower, just inherently. It's just it's what this group of athletic directors and presidents from Power Five universities thinks of you. If you're in the group of five, they think of you as five or so spots less. Um, last year was the first year that didn't happen. Cincinnati they were ranked, I think it was seventh or sixth in each of them at the same time in the first poll ranks. And then the college football playoff dropped them as low as nine at one point. Like yeah. they will look for an excuse. Yeah. They don't want to let Cincinnati into the playoff. It just, and any excuse to keep them out is going to be enough. It just is.
1: Jerome Ford was extremely limited in this game mm-hmm. 65 yards and one touchdown. So that for his 14th of the season, he's still impressive, but he was definitely shut out a little bit. So that was good for Mm. um, Tulane. And then shout out Tajay Spears for Tulane had an incredible game, 106 Mm. yards on 19 carries and a 47 yard touchdown. He's very impressive. And I honestly thought he looked better than, than Ford. And Ford was bound to have a game like this. That's okay.
0: Yeah. Well, Uh, I mean, like you just said, it's not like Ritter's numbers were all that impressive in this game either. You know, they were not. So
1: it is what it is. Cincinnati wins the game. I think Houston looked better than Cincinnati this week. That's my, this that's my take did. on yeah. this.
0: This week they this did. This week they did. So don't lose to Texas tech though. The,
1: this is the second straight game in which the Bearcats were favored by three or more touchdowns, but one by less, mm-hmm. not ideal again. So whatever. I, I, that's all I have to say about it. So.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, my, my biggest concern it isn't this game itself on the field, because like you saw it, Cincinnati was just too, we talked about they're too laissez-faire yeah. about the game itself. My <clears> bigger concern <throat> for Cincinnati is like, and what's more interesting to talk about to me is the college football playoff at this point and where they'll be. And, you know, I don't know when we'll record the preview episode, if it'll be before, during or after the committee rankings come out. We'll see what time that works well, out.
1: We, yeah, we can come control out that and do, we could do it after if you want. I'm done with that.
0: Yeah, whatever works for you. Because I mean, it, yeah. I think it'd be works, more
1: interesting because then it'll give we'll us know what a, to talk definitely. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll know
0: what to talk to. Exactly. So, yeah. so that's our on-air, you know, <laughs> production meeting.
1: <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> uh, about, Let's just uh, wash our hands of this game. Yes. I
0: don't. Yeah. Hey, it's
1: it is what it is. Julian's one. Tulane's, a, here's Tulane's but...
0: also a very well-coached team, so like they're gonna be able to play team tougher than they probably should. Yeah. Be Especially at home, so like, give them credit for that. Uh, moving on yeah. to the other noon kick, which I think very few people watch because it was an ESPN Plus game and it wasn't a super good game to watch. UCF forty-nine, Temple seven.
1: You know uh, our guy uh, Mike Parker was there. Our college football yeah. campus stadium tour yeah. traveler. I don't even his title is
0: insane, but I, I don't. He was there. Know title is yeah. I just, yeah, he, I don't know, I but he was there bonus.
1: and he posted pictures, and all I saw. Was an empty stadium, and somebody wrote,
0: "Where are the Temple Temple fans?" It's like it was.
1: I was like, "Oh no!"
0: So I'm trying not to get too into like the fan thing every week because I think it's like it's worth calling out sometimes, but at the same time, like it's low hanging fruit. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: Temple has been trying to get an on campus stadium for years. They keep getting blocked by you know residents in or in the area. They keep getting blocked by just the cost of the project. You know you know, list the reasons it hasn't worked out. Like those photos were exactly why they need it. No students go to the temple games. They're bad this year. So that doesn't help either. But like, there's just, there's no fan support for that program right now. It's really sad to see. Um, But the game itself was sadder for the Mm. temple because Mm. they couldn't get out of their own way. Uh, the final score, 49 to seven, that's seven points were scored with 30 seconds left in the game.
1: Yeah. I wanted you to note that because what we wanted from temple was just to start the game better. And And instead they scored at the very end. I'm glad they scored, but it might as well have been that they didn't at all. I I want,
0: I want the goose egg at that point. You don't deserve to score. They didn't deserve to score when like five minutes before they did score. They kicked and like fourth and two or so they kicked a field goal and missed it at that point. I said, no, you deserve to lose this game with zero (laughs) points. Uh, because you don't kick surrender field goals dan mullen at the florida georgia game kicked a surrender field goal they didn't deserve to score either even though they ended up scoring surrender. Once. i yeah. hate those i hate those like we're losing by four scores with like you know 10 minutes left let's kick a field goal no you're just trying to not get shut out mm. i hate that mm-hmm. uh, the thing that i find a temple fan though i'm going to start with them that i would really hate is they kept shooting themselves in the own foot here. They crossed the fifty a couple times in the first half, where they had good chances at points, and they either held, committed false starts, or turned the ball over every single time. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, went forward on fourth down and didn't convert and things like that. Which, like, it just they kept doing it to themselves, where they just couldn't finish the job. They couldn't avoid making a critical mistake. And I, like, I mean, Mikey came through one interception that was really bad and. Then the uh, I forget which Temple defender intercepted the pass, but he went and fumbled the ball, and UCF recovered. It ended up being like a plus thirty yard play for UCF. That's how the game went. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know if that sounds you about really right. want to know How this game went. This was the Mikey King get right game. He basically yes. doubled all his stats for the season. He came in yeah. this game with five touchdowns, five interceptions. He left with 10 touchdowns, six interceptions on the season. Yes. And like he said, was didn't the even honor the ball roll in the interception.
1: He was the honor roll recipient for the see this week freshman quarterback. So completed 15 of 21 for 229 yards and five touchdowns and one lone interception, like you yeah. said. So it, it was the Mikey high. Keen Mikey yeah. Keen
0: experience. It was. He had a career high in passing <laughs> a week after he threw for 67 yeah. yards against Memphis. Like and yeah. Memphis's secondary is not good, mind you. Like yeah. It just, it was an all around terrible performance by Temple. And it, frankly, like we talk about the teams at the bottom of the conference and what's good about them, what's bad about them. A lot of times I talk a lot about how USF plays hard, even when they're outmatched and they lose by four or five scores. They they play 60 minutes. They're very good about that. Temple gave up on this game real quick as a team. You could see it in just like the way they approach it. They're just, they're done. They're done halfway yeah. through the second quarter.
1: That just kind of feels like that's the vibe. Of this I I feel like I yeah. I don't ha- I love Temple. You know that I like Temple. I love their yeah. coaches. I don't know that I, I'm going to be able to come up with anything else positive to say about this team because it's it's it was over before it started. I think he need to
0: bench one Mathis. I think he's not the guy. I, I don't, don't even. I don't, I don't know if that he even does. helps. Like I, I think I don't. I don't think he sees the field right. I don't think he reads defense mm-hmm. as well. I think he's also, he's an athletic guy who like looks tentative to run the ball or I know he had an ankle injury this year, but like he's, yeah he so hasn't been healthy. A, and I think no. that's, and like, that's... he's just, he's like, and that's the thing is if he's not healthy, put out Justin Lynch, because you know, mm-hmm. I think he's the better quarterback to begin with. And just from the games I've seen, I've seen, you know, I watch every game I can at this conference. I'm not <sighs> you know, naive to what yes. they put out there on the field. <laughs> right. And what I've right. seen was like Justin Lynch played pretty well against the Boston college team. That was then, you know, they weren't like good ever, but like they're better than they are now. If you look at their last couple of games and right. for the Eagles, but uh, you know, he just, he looked more confident than Mathis does. He looked like he was more in control than Mathis does. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that you'd be winning a lot more of these games because it's a whole team game. It's not one quarterback makes the world a difference. But right. you need to do something because they just right. you know, it it was it was a rollover. Uh UCF, they actually didn't run it as well as I thought they were going to, just given how bad Temple's been against the run. Uh they mm-hmm. did run it well that, you know. They just didn't run it as well as I thought they would. Uh, yeah. I, still, I thought Bowser
1: would get over a hundred, but yeah, he only hit 89. So. And, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought he'd have more so. than 19 carries too, though. So uh, yeah. I still don't love bringing in Joey Gatewood randomly, even though it worked a little bit better in this game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, get used to it. Had an insanely good game at tight end for UCF. He had, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what else there is to really say about it though. They just, you know, to kick their butts that's, that's all she wrote it was about kicking uh yeah so why don't we move on to a much better game to watch
1: yes the most exciting game. game that and we said it was going to be and I it, think was. it was the
0: best game of the weekend
1: yeah like 100%. regardless
0: of conference not not just in the aac like <laughs>
1: no i agree with you like, yeah across I mean, the board i mean
0: michigan michigan state was fine but like yeah
1: the in was
0: UNC just, was pretty fun, but this was the best this game. This was a really highlight game. reel. It this really was,
1: was. Give Clayton Toon the Heisman.
0: I haven't even announced the score yet. SNU <laughs> 37, Houston 44. And no, Clayton Toon is <gasps> not the... If you're giving anyone on Houston the Heisman, it goes to Marcus Jones. How can you not give it to Marcus I mean,
1: that's Jones? fair, but you I know just know like to true. say that because it's, it's uh, funny. Yes, Clayton Toon, though, he showed up and he actually had more yards that's, and touchdowns And more complete passes than Tanner
0: Mordecai. So, Especially in the first half, like especially the first quarter, that Houston offense was absolutely explosive. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to get uh, back over to Houston in a second, but I want to talk about SMU. The reason you can't get over the hump is you refuse to play in coverage. And it's Mm -hmm. been years now. It's been... Basically, I go back to when uh, Memphis had college game day on campus uh, at the Liberty Bowl. Not on campus, sorry, at the Liberty Bowl. And SMU was the road team, and they didn't get a stop basically the whole game. And yeah. that was the first year SMU was really kind of like this like really good team in the conference. And they just have refused in that time. To win bowl games, to win games against top twenty-five level competition, to win games uh, at a rivalry, or win games that are important to winning this conference, they're going to win nine or ten games every single year. And every single year, they're going to be disappointing because they can't win one of the big games. And this was one of those big games. Uh, yeah, and I got to tell you, they I did defense, and they especially don't cover. Yeah. They, their yeah. secondary doesn't tackle their secondary blows assignments all the time. It's a new DC and Jim Levin. Now it's the same old, same old on the nothing now.
1: I just, it was shocked that the score was as high as it was, you know, given the Houston's defense, the third ward is more stingy. They were only giving up 13 points think, about I per mean, game prior to you this besides
0: see the what Texas. they did in run defense. Houston allowed almost nothing to SMU in the run game. Which is something, yeah, part of what SMU strength is is that they make you defend both, you know what I mean? Of course, you know, I, um, I mean, Bentley I was just they surprised. and called back too, but like because of a hold, but you know, and I, then you
1: and then you see Houston go out to this early lead. That was the other thing is like, how do you jump out and then get and then basically score no points and let them come all the way back? What that it was just a roller coaster of it was. emotion for
0: also, a game and <laughs> you know smu coming into this game i think was second in the country in terms of sacks allowed per game and they gave up three to houston that's mm-hmm. huge for houston to be able to force yeah. mordecai onto the ground and get them out of rhythm and that's especially early in the game was something that they're doing a great job of yeah. uh, i bet and how many there.
1: games can you say you get two hundred yard kickoff return touchdowns not many i don't think there's you very know, many was, so
0: can i tell uh, you what that was reminiscent of what Mike Hughes reservation for six in the 2017 war and I-4 against uh, UCF-USF. Uh, yeah, I don't
1: think, I think that I missed was, that one. I think I was uh, busy that day.
0: Uh, that was, <laughs> I believe, my 21st birthday. If oh, wow.
1: It. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, going back to it. So I was having a nice day. Um, but <laughs> no, that was the uh, 49-42 finish where, uh, in UCF Peach Bowl year back in uh, Scott Frost last year there, where Mike mm-hmm. Hughes uh, with about two minutes left, or, you know, Quentin Flowers, USF had tied the game. They kicked off to Mike Hughes, who yeah, I think it was about two minutes left in the game, returned the mm-hmm. kickoff for a touchdown. Then it was a little bit different, obviously, a little bit more time. USF tried to respond, but ended up fumbling the ball away. And that was mm-hmm. that. But it was reminiscent of that to me, where you have this really great back and forth game between two mm-hmm. teams that more or less have this shot to this basically secures Houston a spot in the conference championship game. I hate, to, I hate to look at it too much, but they've got a very light schedule coming up. Like yeah. really, really light. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, here, it was them. good
1: to see Clayton tune put together a game mm-hmm. like that, you know, because everybody has been hating on him as a quarterback, but here you really saw, and yes, I know the SMU's defense, especially their secondary is not yeah. strong, but good. he, put up 412 yards and four touchdowns, which is what you're supposed to do against mm-hmm. a bad defense. That's what Desmond Ritter should have done against yes. Tulane. And you're he didn't. Right.
0: So. And I mean, they used to great Nathaniel Dell, nine catches, 165, three scores. It was just ex- ex- like I yes. was saying earlier, this offense never made me fear that they'd be super explosive in recent time, mm-hmm. but they were absolutely explosive in this game, which is what they needed to yeah. be.
1: And then Nathaniel Dell, you mentioned he was offensive player of the week for the AAC. Um, You mentioned his nine catches, 165 yards, three touchdowns. He became the first Cougar player with three touchdown catches since the 2018 season. Two of his three touchdown catches gave Houston a lead, which also impressive. And then he had the key 52-yard reception to set up um, a Cougar field goal. So not only is he you know, a major player, his plays are creating the, mm-hmm. the win for them the whole yeah. way. So
0: and shout out. No, I'm thinking about the Marcus Jones, like kickoff. We're saving that.
1: Four. I was saving that best okay. for last. Yeah. I mean, I'm but just thinking ahead.
0: about, I, he ran a straight line, basically. He didn't have to like cut break many tackles. He wasn't like cutting back and forth. Like a lot of kickoff returns are, he didn't have to hit the sideline and these SMU players who didn't stay in their lanes running down. it's just, that's fundamental special teams coaching to stay in your lane. And it's insane that they couldn't do that. It's also insane to me that they didn't squib that ball. Like Mm -hmm. why would you kick off to Jones when like, it wasn't a secret how good he is at returning kicks. Yeah. Uh, I I don't get that at all. I also do want to touch on Houston's path to the conference championship goes through South Florida, Temple and Memphis (laughs) at this point. Um, Memphis they get at home so
1: well before you go down that path really quick let's just say that Marcus Jones was the special teams player of the week so Houston got both the offensive and special teams player of the week if you didn't see Jones I don't know where you were hiding but they have been playing that you know kickoff return it's just wild. If you haven't seen it, you should go look at it. But he picked up his fourth special teams touchdown of the season, ninth of his career. Um, he get, he handed him the win with that 100-yard kickoff return with 17 seconds left yeah. in regulation. Um, moments before moments after smu had just hit that time field goal he finished the game 145 yards on three kickoff returns and 32 yards on a pair of punt returns mm-hmm. six tackles a tackle for a loss and an interception on defense why are you kicking to this man is no, that just, was your question that's a very fair yeah. question
0: i would rather kick it out of bounds than give him a shot to like 35 <laughs> yeah. yard line that's sure you know wild to thing- me
1: he tied. he
0: the, what crazy. we're overlooking is that then I just said you should have squibbed it. The squib worked very poorly for Houston. SMU had a shot at a Hell Mary because of it. Like this yeah. was, it was such a good ending. And, it uh, was incredible. And Jones, should,
1: I think it's, it's. Mm-hmm.
0: I was going to say, these should both be top 20 teams when the college football playoff rankings come out. They probably won't be because that's how the CFP rankings work is a one loss AAC team may as well be a four loss AAC team to them. It doesn't make a difference once you lose but they should both be top 20 teams.
1: Jones is tied for the national lead in both kickoff return touchdowns and punt return touchdowns. I don't remember the first, the last time where a guy was tied for the lead for both of those. And we would have to look that Devin up because that's interesting.
0: I mean, Devin Hester's like – I mean, he, I think of him more as being a bear just because of like yeah. my age. But like I'm sure he had some pretty big differences in, in college. I yeah. don't know.
1: That's the thing is these guys, they don't always – It doesn't work like that. They're not always big college return guys. And then in the league, it just depends. So, and it depends on what the team had. So we'd have Mm -hmm. to go look, but I would have to, I'm going to look that up for next time. And then the Mm -hmm. last note is that, his 100-yard kickoff return, Jones's 100-yard kickoff return touchdown with under 30 seconds, it was 17 seconds, um, is just the second time in the last 15 seasons, okay, the second time that an FBS program has gotten a go-ahead touchdown on a kickoff return with less than 30 seconds left in mm-hmm. regulation. The second time in 15 seasons.
0: And, so we yeah. saw history, basically, which is incredible. It's incredible to it. me that people want to take the kickoff out of the game. Like, Yeah, It's such an integral part of the game. Like I'm fine with like the fair catch rule where anywhere like inside, like what's the 25, you can get at the 25, but like the Mm -hmm. idea of completely removing it takes away these monster plays. It takes away, you know, huge momentum swings. It takes up, takes away these great, like field position, like battles and just, it's such an important part of the game. And you can tell which teams put more emphasis on it than others. I'm not just saying this Mm -hmm. game, but every game you watch, you know, week in week out, there's teams that just, don't cover kicks well, and there's teams that just mm-hmm. block really well on punts and little things like that and you can go wow that team those those are the little details that separate you from winning and losing games and yeah. it really is awesome uh tcu's open though so sunny dykes flipping to the other side no. of the skillet
1: no uh, no shot no shot i don't or, i was just talking to I, I will not reveal the name of the coach but i was speaking with the coach. The of an
0: extension you never know
1: I was talking with a coach who had been offered, who has coached with Dykes and had been offered a job with him, but had went elsewhere at at SMU. And and they just said how happy he is there, how much he likes it. Because when Dykes Mm -hmm. left Cal, everybody knew he was going to leave. Because I'll tell you, covering him at Cal, he was just not a California guy. Like the fact that he was even in Berkeley just was hilarious to me because he's just not like he didn't understand the culture. He didn't understand like the nuance of Northern California and like, how weird mm-hmm. Berkeley is. He's just such a Texas guy. And the SMU job is perfect for him. Um, there's money, there's recruiting, there's like, he, you know, right in Dallas, he loves that. So I don't see him, A TCU is just such a rebuild right now. I don't,
0: mm-hmm.
1: why yeah. would you do that? Look look at what you've built at SMU. Well, why would you do that?
0: Because they are in the big 12 and SMU is still in the American. That's the only- Yeah, but they're in I Fort mean,
1: Worth. I, People hate Fort Worth.
0: <laughs> I think we've had this I like conversation before. Yeah. But no, yeah. I mean- I was just saying that to, you know, rib at people. Know. This is actually taking the Texas tech job now that Jeff Trailer signed his uh signed his 10 year 23 million dollar extension. So he's off the table. Yeah, you know, hypothetically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh no, there's gonna be a lot of jobs in Texas open. So if I'm SMU, yes. I might have to be opening up the uh Bill Pocket, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit wider because I'm starting to hear Dave Aranda for USC too. So Baylor could open up on top oh of that. Ooh, you never know. I can't even, I don't. Mm-hmm. I
1: look at Houston's
0: schedule and yes. oh, it's a cakewalk. Is it, yeah, I, I, they're gonna be 11 and one. They should be 12. I guess the 0.
1: Memphis game is one that you could be like, well, Memphis, you never really
0: know. Like at Houston,
1: but it's, it's at Houston,
0: yeah. and frankly. I the same way i'm ready to give up on tulsa i'll give you ready to one give more up on memphis i'll give memphis oh. one more week. i don't know who they're playing but i have to double check that real
1: quick i will tell you right now because i've got them pulled up right here so memphis and it's kind of nice they had this buy i guess so they can just take a second They <laughs> got, got SMU. SMU. <laughs> yeah smu ecu at houston and then verse two lanes so one and
0: three they're missing the ball. Now.
1: They they could be ECU and Tulane at home, but I, yeah, there's no way they win those two on the road. But I'm, I'm,
0: I think I think they're going to go one and three in those games and miss a bowl. It's tough times in uh, Tiger Town. Yeah. And I, a lot of people are going to start questioning Ryan Silverfield even more than they already are. You know, mm-hmm. A lot of Memphis fans aren't happy with how he's been doing so far, and I don't really blame them, to be honest. Yeah,
1: you I know, don't either.
0: it's been a huge regression since Mike Norvell left. Yeah. So you know that's tough. But uh yeah, no. Do you wonder
1: do you wonder if Mike Norvell wishes that he could go back in time?
0: No, because I think he's actually I think Florida State's better than their record is this year. And I think that with how bad yeah, the UCC is figure it
1: out. Like especially
0: yeah. if Clemson's I don't want to say this is the death of Clemson, but like if Clemson comes back mm-hmm. down to earth, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. It's just a more manageable team to beat. You know, why shouldn't Florida yeah. State be able to catch them in a couple of years once they put the roster back together? Yeah. florida state's issue more than anything else is boosters who don't know anything about football not giving guys any time to go and build the program you need like willie taggart was not given a fair chance at florida state frankly mm-hmm. you know jimbo wasn't really trying after the national championship he was coasting and you know yeah you, you can't clear house that quickly you need it just takes time to build no, Scott Frost in Nebraska. we we'll see people. Thing. I bet he's. I mean, you say you. that
1: as a rational person. You say that. You know, oh, you can't clear house that quickly, but football is irrational. No, so it's not always. They, they also I mean, can't afford to be three coaches keep, at
0: once. Let's be
1: real. Yeah, but he, I mean, <laughs> people people outkick their coverage all the time and stuff like that. So I am not oh. surprised by any moves oh. ever anymore.
0: So I mean thanks to Nebraska. Scott. Oh my God.
1: He would never leave Texas. (laughs) (laughs) All right, he's just not. So,
0: I you never know though. You know
1: we need we need to wrap this up before (laughs) you just start speculating. Adam, I'm just gonna start saying names (laughs) to
0: this place. (laughs) No, the worst speculation there's been. The worst (laughs) speculation out of all this that there's been is Brian Kelly to USC. That's the worst one I've heard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he would never. The winningest coach in Notre Dame history. I haven't Dame even history. heard that. That's how bad that yeah, is. Yeah, I've heard it from a couple places, but like the winningest coach in Notre Dame history decides at the age of like sixty to flip over to USC and completely like, after it took him a decade to get Notre Dame to where they're at now, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, he's not going over there. uh Yes, but in we fact, do. Okay. Both
1: our records were four and one this week.
0: Yes, I almost completely forgot to update the records. we were both four and one. Yeah, uh, I got the Navy one right, which you picked Tulsa on. Then I picked mm-hmm. SMU when you had Houston. So that's yeah. the dividing line. Yeah. Uh, overall, I'm fifty-two and twenty. You're forty-one and thirty-three. You know, slowly
1: so, making that climb.
0: Hey, it's a good record. If I yeah. didn't have you know, you know. 11 games on you (laughs)
1: yeah well i'm gonna have to start making some big plays coming up here to try and gain some ground but
0: we got plenty of
1: football left
0: yeah we'll figure that out with our preview show for week 10 week 10 already i Uh, know it's wild flies by all right uh you can find me at dan underscore morrison 96 on twitter
1: you can find me at ml nem e-m-i-l-n-e-m on twitter and instagram
0: awesome and we're all set
1: we'll see you next time